guess it's time to start here. Shane's under the weather, as are other people. So, anyways, um, we'll start with 91. just pointed out a, a, a verse to me that's, well, in the, in the 107th Psalm, it, it comes up, the same verse comes up four different times. At the top of the page, it says, God's providence over men in diverse varieties of life. So I just quickly scanned it, and it's, it's all the ups and downs we have in life and how God is, is here with us. But this, this same verse appears four times. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Shall we open our service in a word of prayer? 
Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day, another beautiful spring Sunday morning. And we thank you for that opportunity to gather around thy word. It seems like there are different ones that are under the weather this morning and these days going through this bad spring cold. Be with them, comfort them, and guide them. Watch over all those that believe and all those that will believe. We ask that thy hand would be stretched over us as we read in the word and the journeys of the children of Israel that if they would turn away from God, his greatest desire is that, would, that they would turn back and he would bless them. It remains the same today with us. Give us strength, give us understanding, give us courage to go forth and proclaim this word and believe it for ourselves that we could be under the blessing and the almighty guidance and power that comes from thy thy will and thy way in our lives. Watch over all those in our governments, all those in leadership positions, elected or, or whatever it may be in our governments, in our local governments, in our communities, our schools. Oh, that thy hand would be over us to lead us and keep us in, in that. The scriptures call the shadow of thy hand. Be with us, this little group, this morning, as we look into this word, this everlasting and all-powerful word that we can so easily take for granted, and yet we know that this word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, this word that framed this world that we live in. And when it speaks of Jesus as heaven being his throne and this earth being his footstool, help us to comprehend these things and understand the power of these things. Open this word unto us. Open these mysteries unto us. These things that are needful for us to find our way through this life. And eventually reach heaven's shore. Hear us now as we pray together that most perfect prayer thy son taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Someone have a song to continue with? 86.
to see everybody out this morning. I thought we'd be fewer in numbers the way it started off, but people keep showing up. Beautiful spring morning. I go out to check my cows every morning at six o'clock. It's barely daylight enough, but somehow, somehow on a nice day, it, it feels good to be alive. How else to explain it? For a text this morning, I'll read from the 24th chapter of St. Luke. It's a continuation of the Easter story. And I guess one of my favorites, the story of the two, two disciples on their way to Emmaus. 24th chapter of St. Luke, starting at the 13th verse. And I'll read. I'll read most of it. Down to the, down to the 49th. Reading these words in Jesus' name. And behold, two of them that went, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. 
and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened, uh, opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued endued with power on high. Amen. Quite a long reading there. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied to each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. We see that before this, the ladies had come come to the tomb and had this had this experience that they had the angel had said that I'll just I'll just read it here. It came to pass that they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? I, I think that's so important that that there's... Well, in the, in the natural sense, we could say, well, we don't go to the graveyard to, to find anyone alive there. They're all in their graves, but I think I remember many, many years ago, old, the old preacher Andrew Michelson was up in Hay River, and and we were we were kind of starved for spiritual food, and he spoke on this text, and and he brought out the spiritual side of that, that there's all kinds of teachings out there. All kinds of understanding, just about as many as many as there are people out there. But there's only one true and living way, and one true and living understanding. And we don't we don't go to the we don't go to the dead faith teachers to find living faith, or or nourishment for our undying souls. 
you brought it out that way. I remember it as clearly as, as if it, it just happened. So these these Marys and and Joanna, the mother of James, and other women, they they had come and told the disciples that that Jesus has risen. He is not here, the angel tells the ladies, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee? Jesus, Jesus told the people these things, but I guess he hadn't revealed himself in that way yet. That it, said, it says when the ladies told these disciples these, these things, it says their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. They still, they still didn't have that enlightenment that they needed to, to, uh, I guess have, have Jesus and his, his power and his teachings revealed to them of who he is and just what he was. Then Peter arose and ran to the sepulcher and stooping down he beheld the linen, linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at at that which was come to pass. We know that there was this so-called rumor that Jesus would rise from the dead and Shane spoke on that, I believe, last Sunday, how, how they, they brought this to, to Pilate and he said to set a watch in the, in the graveyard and seal the tomb I don't know if it's a physical ceiling or just the fact that if you have a whole bunch of people guarding that tomb, it's, it's pretty well sealed too. That nobody's going to come in and, and take that body and steal, steal it away and say that, say that, well, he, he said that he was going to rise from the dead and this is, this is evidence. His, his body is gone. But we see in one of the, one of the gospels that when, when the angel came, and, and rolled that stone away that this number of soldiers and I don't know and it doesn't say how many but I'm, I'm assuming there was lots because Pilate said that set that watch in place and make it sure so if there was just one or two people there guarding it or if there was 40 or 50 or more I don't know but it was the watch was set and the, and the tomb was sealed in that way that nobody was going to tamper with it. But it says there in one of the one of the gospels that when, when the angel came to roll away that stone the power of the whole thing was such that they all just fainted fell to the ground Absolutely helpless. Remember that Jesus says that he has the power to lay down his life. He also has the power to raise himself to life again. This is the power of God. This is the power of greatest power this universe has ever seen. And I think of even Jesus being on the cross and he died quite quickly. 
he laid, he laid his life down. And when the, when the soldiers had orders to, to break the legs of the, these three men on the cross, so that they wouldn't be still suffering and in agony on the eve of the Sabbath, um, they broke the legs of those two men on either side of Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, they found that he was dead already. So he had that ability and power to lay down his life, as he says. And then we see when he rose from the dead, he had the power to raise himself to life again. So this is where I started reading in my text here. Behold, two of them that two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together, they reasoned and reasoned. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I believe that. They were the first ones that saw Jesus in a uh, eternal state, would we say, a glorified state, where he was no longer like we are. He was no longer suffering the agony of the of being spiked to the cross, we might say. We can't, we can't even imagine it. Apparently in the, in the Roman world, that was a common way of, of showing the public that these people are criminals and, and I, I only agree with the one thing there that, that if you see someone on a cross hanging there and, and you, it, it, uh, strike that note in your mind that this is what happens when you, turn to crime for for your entertainment or way of living and it, it doesn't pay but apparently it was one of the most agonizing ways to go Jesus through the I don't know direction given to the people that, that he was doing the wrong thing by calling himself the son of God that seems to be the biggest accusation they had and in other places it says that none of their testimonies agreed one with the other but anyways we know that he went to the cross he went willingly he went because God had called him to do that so he's crucified as a as a common criminal of some sort and, well, we know the story. It wasn't good. But we also know that Jesus says that if he, be, if, he, if he is lifted up, as even in Old Testament times, Moses was given that, that understanding to make a brazen serpent and lift it up, and the people that would look thereon would not be bitten by these snakes and, and die. Jesus says... That if he is lifted up, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that all men would take note of that. All men would come unto him. 
Well, we know that we know that not all men turn to Jesus, but I, I do believe that that it would turn heads. It wouldn't matter what faith or religion or creed or where you came from in the world, that would that would turn your head. Whether whether you acknowledged it or not as being the Son of God, but that might be another thing, but the way he was crucified and died and 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 handled there we say that as as that centurion says that when he saw that Jesus dying on the cross he says truly this was the son of God so we have these two disciples walking along from They went to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. They're walking together, and Jesus just appears with them. Jesus is in his, in his glorified form now. But it says their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And these were not two of the, of the twelve disciples, or the eleven that were left. Because we know that Judas was was gone already. These are these are just men that believed in him. Speaking of his, of his disciples, it says their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And Jesus appears with them. He, he he has the ability to do those things that that they might confuse us, and and we'd wonder what kind of a what kind of a magic man is this with a with our carnal understanding and thinking. But we know in a spiritual sense that Jesus can appear and walk with us at any any time. If, if we call on him, he promises to be with us. Here, here it looks like he's physically walking with them and he's listening to their conversation. You, you would think if two men were walking along and all of a sudden there's three of them, they might, might even mark down in, in one of these texts that where did he come from? It doesn't say that. It just says that he appears with them and he listens to their conversation and he says, what, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? So they were, they were downtrodden. They, they were having trouble believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And and all through this text, we see how Jesus slowly reveals himself to different ones. So they, they ask him, one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? It's It's like... Everybody knows what's happened. Where, where did you come from? You don't, you don't seem to know what's happened. Well, we, we know that Jesus knew all that had happened. It, it had happened to him. And Jesus says unto them to sort of try their, try their thinking and try, try. I guess, I guess slowly he's revealing himself to them through these things. He says, what things? What things are you talking about? And this, I think, is such a, such a, good, a good verse because it shows how, 
these people had hope that Jesus was going to come into this world and help everybody. It says, when Jesus asks, what things? What things are they, are they so sad about and talking about? Jesus, it says, they say unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. They believed in him. They believed that he, he was what they needed. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. So they didn't, they didn't have, these two disciples of Jesus didn't have much faith in the, in the chief priests and the Jews and the Jewish faith and that, that machine that they had gotten going through the centuries, these Jews. It says they delivered him to death, condemned, condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And it doesn't say that, but you could add in there. But no, he's gone. This is a, this is a kind of connotation they give. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. There was this word had come out that he had risen. But nobody had seen him. In, in the one gospel that Mary saw him. And Jesus says, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father. And that's all through the scriptures. There's, there's no other place that it mentions anything of that sort. But I believe that he had to present himself to the father. That was the sacrifice accepted. And we know the answer. It was very acceptable. He tells Mary, touch me not. And I, I, I can only think that Mary was of this world. He was a spiritual being. He was a resurrected Savior. And he didn't, he didn't come in contact with anything in this world until he had been approved by the Father that this sacrifice he made for the Father was acceptable. Because he comes back later, as we see here, and he doesn't tell the people not to not to touch him. He actually tells them to handle them. Put your fingers into these nail prints in my hands. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which, are, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. They're, they're still in their saddened condition and they are bringing this message out that these, these ladies say that he, he's alive. Didn't realize they were talking to Jesus, which is really something, I think. And certain of them were, were with us. Certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he says to them, O fool, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus, how, how the rich man is suffering in the fires and he doesn't want his brothers to have to come there. And he says, send Lazarus that he could testify of Jesus. And he's told that they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. We have Moses and the prophets. And in, in the column here of references, there's probably 20 references. I looked up about half of them, all referring to Jesus coming. I'll just, I'll just uh, read the one that I marked here, and it's so, it's so familiar. It's in Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born. Remember, this is many hundred years before Jesus came into this world. And we read this, and children read this in our Christmas programs. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This little baby boy that comes into this world in in such an unusual and miraculous way. He has all these titles given to him. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Holy Spirit... The power of God, the power of this word is going to make these things happen, the angel says. Or the prophecy says in Isaiah there. So it says of Jesus speaking to them, it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures concerning this, the things concerning himself. And they drew un, nigh unto the village whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. This glorified Lord Jesus Christ, who has nothing of this world about him except he's got these nail prints in his hands and his feet and the, and the print of the sword pierced in his side he left this world with these things uh, and I believe and I've, I've heard it said and I, I agree with it that that's the only thing that he takes with him from this world into heaven and, of course, we sing that song, I shall know him, I shall know him. As redeemed by his side, I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him. By the print of the nails in his hands. It's a good song, but, you know, I guess my thoughts are that we're going to know him for more than that. 
He is our all in all. He's our everything. So it's getting late. We're getting close to where these two men live. And Jesus makes like he would go further. But they say, no, come, come and spend the night with us. So he went in to tarry with them, it says. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. It's interesting that Jesus, being a spiritual being now and a glorified Lord and Savior, he, he, he eats and drinks with them. I find that quite interesting. He takes bread and blesses it and breaks it. And it says that in him, in him doing that, he revealed to him, to these two men, who he was. It says, and their eyes were open and they knew him not, and he vanished out of their sight. So he just appears with them and then he just disappears. He has the power to do that. And I think, I think it's a good picture of of how he can how he can come to us at any hour, any about any hour we might call on him, he can come to us. And the first thing they say, it says they say to one another, "Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and, and while he opened unto us the scriptures?" So, so back when he was opening all these scriptures in in the in the book of Moses and on all the prophets, he opens up these scriptures about himself. It doesn't say that they really knew who he was yet. He was revealing himself to them. But in the breaking of bread, he blesses this bread and breaks it. We know that in those in the, when those miracles took place where the 5,000 were fed and the, and the 4,000, I believe it was, that Jesus did the same thing. He blessed these loaves of bread and the, and the, the little fishes, that, or the fishes that this little boy had. He blesses them and breaks them and, and everyone is filled. And there's much left over. So, it says their eyes were open and they knew him. I hope I didn't say they knew, knew him not. It says they, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Then they realized, after this, he had revealed himself to them. Then they realized that back when we were still walking along and he's opening to us these scriptures of Moses and the prophets, their hearts began to burn. I believe that it's the same same fire that John speaks about when he says that he baptizes with water, but one will come after me, he says, he will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he directs us to look toward Jesus, not toward himself. And and, he, and John says that I must decrease and he must increase. Jesus has to be has to come 
forward, and John has to be put in, put on the back burner, you might say. And we know it was more than that because he lost his life. That's why. He, that's how he was taken away. And Jesus came forth. So they couldn't sleep. They invited Jesus to come in and spend the night with them. And when this happened, this fire was kindled in their hearts. And it didn't matter how late it was, they weren't going to go to sleep there. It says, He rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. That was that breaking of bread was familiar to them. The scriptures were familiar to them. Jesus had revealed himself to them. This is who I am. And then he and then he disappears. So they go they go and look up these these other people that were disciples that were gathered behind locked doors and it's says in some of the some of the gospels for fear of the Jews this was a big thing the Jews weren't all that excited about Jesus rising from the dead and they didn't, they didn't want to hear the story and they didn't want to believe that it was possible this was this was all all a big fake in their eyes so that's why they were gathered behind locked doors Jesus just comes into the midst of them. He didn't have to. He didn't have to have a key to open that door. It says, "As they thus spake, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you.' This is, this is the message Jesus gives us. Be at peace. When it, whenever people come into the hearing of this word and, and are, are truly. You might say touched by this word. Their sins come up before them. We're talking about Joseph and his brothers in the Old Testament there. And it says that, and I can't find it right off. But when they came in the presence of Joseph and the power of the whole happening and what was taking place, it says their sins came up before them, these brothers. Sins that they had committed maybe close to 30 years before that, they thought they got rid of Joseph. And then, they, of course, they, that was wrong. And, and, and then they told their father that some animal, some beast has gotten him and torn him to pieces, and that was wrong. And, and they, they dipped that coat of many colors in the, in the blood of some lamb or some animal and showed that to their father, and that was wrong. All the things that they did came up before them. Nobody asked them that are you bothered by your sins or anything like that. As as we see in the in Isaiah's conversion and his his uh, account of his own conversion, he, he sees the power and the glory of God and you might say the size and the might of who God is and what he is and the sins come up before him. That's what this word does. Jesus says, peace be unto you. If our sins come up before us and we're squirming because of that, we don't have peace. 
Jesus wants us to have peace. It says they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. They, they thought they'd seen some kind of an apparition. And of course, I've never seen one, but I don't think I'd be any different. It would, it would, it would shake you right down to the foundation. Terrified and affrighted, suppose that they had seen a spirit. Jesus says, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath, hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. I don't know what the significance of that is, but we know when, when the nails were driven in his hands and the side pierced by that soldier's sword, the blood came out. And we know that in, in Isaiah it says of, of Jesus speaking, I believe, when, when they pressed that crown of thorns onto his head and those things, it says his visage was so marred that men, men couldn't, couldn't even see him or look at him. It was a, and it was a repulsive thing to look at him even. We see in Isaiah that he did it for you and I, and it pleased God that he did it. It didn't. God, God is not pleased at, at torturing His Son or, or any of us. He's pleased that Jesus was obedient to the calling that God had placed on Him. That's what pleased God. Here we see He's got the hands and the feet. He shows them and the nail prints in His in, in His. Doesn't say in this one, but but he has that sword print in his side, and contrary to what he tells Mary, don't touch me. He says, "Behold, behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And there's no blood flowing out of these wounds. He's a glorified being. He's a different being." He's what we will be when we reach heaven's shore. We will be glorified. I don't understand it. You can read Revelations and, and see what it says about, about heaven and, and the river, water, crystal clear and pure and all these things in the city of God. It's a picture of all those that enter heaven's shore and of course in a safe condition when he had said when he had thus spoken he showed them his hands and his feet and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered wondered he said unto them have ye here any meat here he, he's going to have something to eat here again <coughs> and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb and he took it and did eat before them he said unto them these are the words which I sp spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the psalms concerning me we can read the words the Holy Spirit opens this word to us 
says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So I guess that's what it says to me, is that we can read these words, and they're good words, they're perfect words. But unless they're open to us and revealed unto us, we might, we might come up with all kinds of different understandings about them. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. We believe in a risen Savior. There's no other faith on earth or understanding that where men don't have to appease God. All, all the understandings on types of faith in this world, men are always trying to appease God and please God and get his attention some way or another. Jesus did all that. He, he worked the total work of God and he worked the, the work of salvation. It behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is what he was supposed to do. This is the work he accomplished. And he accomplished it in total, total perfection. And the result is what? That repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name, in the name of Jesus, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Go out from Jerusalem. Go out from where this beautiful happening took place. By the whole world. I fell, I, I fall miserably short of doing that. It's called the Great Commission. That we would tell others what Jesus has done. Our cousin, our mom's cousin Gerald, shortly before he died, he said that his biggest regret in life was that he, he didn't tell more people about Jesus. It's a personal thing, but I worked for him for seven years. And I know that he told a lot of people about Jesus. But that's the proper spirit he had. I should have told more. Christ rose the third day, it says here. And we're, we're to go out with this great commission and tell others what he's done for me. What he's, that's all we have to do, what he's done for me. Yes, what he's done for others, but each one of us can say he did it for me. And this is what he did for me. Repentance, that we would turn from our ways in repentance. And then what happens? We ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is there. Larger than life, you might say. And we can believe. And ye are witnesses of those of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem till ye be endued with power from on high. And we 
we read in Acts there of the day of Pentecost and the power of God was preached so boldly and so strongly and it's gone out from there even, even to this little gathering here this morning we can praise God for these things praise God for this story of salvation praise God for the joy of salvation in Jesus name Amen shall we receive the benediction May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Someone have a song to close with? One, four, seven. One, four, seven.